Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. Grab your Bibles, if you will, tonight. I'd like you to go to 2 Kings 13. come on the floor because there, this vent is blowing so hard. It's blowing my, the pages of my Bible everywhere. So I'm going to come and get you tonight. Eh? <laughs> Cody, man, I love you. I love you. I so appreciate you. I know Sandra loves you, but this church loves you too. Amen. We're so thankful for our worship team been powerful tonight. Come on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Cody. Thank you so much. It's my first time preaching, so I'm just a touch nervous tonight. <laughs> 2 Kings 13, are you there? <clears throat> Honey, we'll give them that gift a little bit later. How's that? Great. I want to talk to you on the subject. I don't know how long I'm going to be tonight. <clears throat> I want to speak to you tonight about prophetic action. Okay? Prophetic action. If you're taking notes, there's your sermon title. And if you're not taking notes, there's your title. <laughs> I want to talk to you about prophetic action, and I want to look at this story in 2 Kings 13 tonight. And I'm going to preach my way to the text this evening. This is a fascinating story. I absolutely love this story. It's fascinating. It's always been fascinating to me. One of my favorite miracles in all of the Bible is there. There's an amazing interaction that happens between the prophet Elisha and King Joash. And now remember, as we speak about Elisha, Elisha was the apprentice. He was the understudy of Elijah. Elijah, of course, was the mighty prophet of Israel that called, literally called down forth fire from heaven on Mount Carmel. And he was taken up in a whirlwind, in a fiery whirlwind in the chariot of God. How many remember this? I remember the very first time that I was in Israel and I was standing on the Mount, uh, on Mount Carmel with about 30 of my friends and we looked across the Valley of Megiddo, Valley of Armageddon, and we were looking north over this mountain ridge. And we, no one was talking, we were just standing because we had been worshiping and everyone was silent. And we looked across the valley to this mountainous ridge and all of a sudden, this whirlwind came out of the clouds. There was dark gray and black clouds on the other side. This whirlwind came. We're standing on Mount Carmel, and this whirlwind came down on the other side and just hit this mountain and just went right back up. And we all said, did you see that? 1.21 gigawatts. I was, it, was, it was radical. It was radical. Let me just tell you. <laughs> it was incredible. So, yes, sorry about that, yeah. So Elisha was the one 
who actually he had the faith and the audacity to ask Elijah for a double portion of his spirit, a double portion of his mantle. It's incredible. I'm going to read to you. Actually, I know you're in 2 Kings 13. I'm in, I'm in 2 Kings chapter 2. <laughs> and I'm going to read these verses to you. This is 2 Kings 2, verses 11 through 15. And it, it, this is about Elijah and Elisha. It says, as they were walking along together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire. Look at that. Suddenly horses of fire and chariots of fire. Everybody seeing that? Suddenly chariots of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. And Elisha, when he saw this, he cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. And then when he took hold of his garment and tore it in two, Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. And he took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and he struck the water with it and said, Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And he struck the water and it divided to the right and the left and he crossed over. Whoa. Everybody say, wow. Wow backwards. That's right. Wow. Verse 15, it says, the company of the prophets from Jericho that were watching, they said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. Isn't that awesome? In just a few moments, we're going to read these verses out of 2 Kings. So powerful. And near the end of the portion that we're going to explore tonight, you will see that there was so much anointing on Elisha's life there was so much saturation of the presence and the oil of the Holy Spirit upon his life that literally when you'll see there was a time when a band of raiders were coming through and a man had died and the, the men of Israel were trying to hide the man's body and they lit this man's body down into the tomb where Elisha was buried, and when his dead body hit the bones of Elisha, he was raised from the dead. That's anointing. Wow. When your bones are raising the dead, my God, you've got an anointing. It's awesome. I'm going to talk to you about prophetic action tonight, and then we're going to move into prophetic declaration as well. And Father, we thank you again for your awesome presence in this house and that you are moving now by your spirit. And I thank you for the power of your word being released. Hallelujah. Elisha, he had become sick to illness of which he would die. And then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and he wept over his face. And he said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. Notice that. That is so powerful. There's Joash, the king of Israel, standing over Elisha the prophet. And look what just brews up in his spirit. Look what just comes out of him. He was reaching back to a time where Elisha grabbed hold of the mantle when Elisha was taken up in the whirlwind. And here comes the mantle coming down. And Elisha picked it up. Remember? And he cried out. What did he cry out? He said, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and their horsemen. And so here is, 
Here is Joash having this moment, this extraordinary conversation with a prophet that was about to cross the threshold and receive his eternal reward. But then he goes on. He says, and Elisha said to him, take a bow and some arrows. And so he took himself a bow and some arrows. And then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. And so he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. I want you to get this picture tonight. And then he said, open the east window. And so he opened it. And Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. Whoa. And then he said, take the arrows. And so he took them. And he said to the king, strike the ground. And so he struck the ground three times. And he stopped. And the man of God, Elisha, he was angry with him. And he said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you have destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. And then Elisha died and, he was, and they buried him. And a raiding band from Moab invaded the land in the spring of that year. And so it was as they were burying the man that suddenly they spied the band of raiders and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and he stood to his feet. Go ahead and shout. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, I want to preach to the text tonight. I want to talk to you again about prophetic action. This is such a unique and distinct but fascinating exchange between a prophet and a king. Now, Elisha asked Joash to do these things. He says, I want you to open the window. I want you to take the bow and the arrow, and I want you to shoot there the arrow of the Lord. And he, he, he made a decree over it. Notice that when he said, when you do this, he said, this is becoming the arrow of the Lord's victory. Did you all see that? This is becoming the arrow of the Lord's victory. This is becoming the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. But then he, he asked him to do something else. He, he said, as you take hold of the bow, he said, what happened was, is in the exchange, the prophet came up behind him. And he laid his hands on Joash's hands. The bow is going back. The arrow is coming back. The bow is being stretched. The line is being stretched. Now he puts his hands on his hands. Are you seeing the picture? What I want to suggest to you tonight, and it's no stretch whatsoever, is that Elisha was actually inviting Joash into participating in the prophetic. I want you to write that down. Because when the Lord begins to ask you to do things that sometimes, very frankly, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to understand it. You're not going to be able to explain it to others. You're going to have to simply obey. The Holy Spirit wants to invite you into a realm of relationship that is 
part of our relationship with God is entering into the realm of mystery. And you have to be willing to follow the Lord into the realm of mystery and not be able to fall or figure out everything up front. You have to simply obey by faith, and then what, what will happen is understanding will come later after you have moved by faith. Understanding does not come first. Did you hear that? Understanding does not come first. Faith comes first. Say it. Faith comes first. You have to take the faith steps and you have to begin to participate with the Holy Spirit so He can move you into a realm of the prophetic. Now, interestingly enough, He told him to take a hold and bind some arrows and He said, now I want you to strike the ground with them. And this is where... Uh, you start feeling bad for Joash. He, he's, he's went there, obviously, for understanding. He's went there because he knows that Elisha is about to pass. He knows that his enemies are encamping all around. He's needing a fresh strategy from the Lord. Are you with me? So now he takes hold of these arrows. and The, the Bible says that he took the arrows. He struck the ground three times into our amazement. Elisha's ticked. He's aggravated. I mean, you don't want to upset the prophet, right? <laughs> and Joash is like, okay, I struck the ground, and now he's ticked. He said, why in the world did you only do it three times? I mean, it's like, you know, Cody, why'd you do that course only three times? We could have had a breakthrough if you would have done it five or six times, you know. <laughs> I mean, you just start feeling bad for Joash immediately. He's like, why didn't you beat the ground five or six times? And if you would have done that, you would have completely annihilated the Assyrians. Are you with me tonight? Now, I'm going to preach my way to this text tonight. Prophetic actions. In Exodus chapter 14, I'll give you some more Bible tonight. Moses is actually stretching forth his rod. Exodus 14, he's stretching forth his rod over the, the Red Sea. And what it does is it gives us another example of prophetic action. Why did he have to stretch forth his rod? Uh, you want the deep answer? Because God said so. <laughs> because God said so. That's why he had to do it. But I will tell you this, if he would have not extended his rod... Over the Red Sea, there would not have been a Red Sea rolling back. Essentially, what, it, what God is saying, He's saying, I want you to release a prophetic act, and when you do this prophetic act, it will release me to do what I want to do. When God stirs your spirit and tells you, He gives you instructions. God will move upon you. He will speak to you. He will give you instructions. But what, what actually releases the power or the anointing or the movement of the spirit is when we obey Him. Or let me say it to you like this. It's when we move faith into action. It's when we move faith into action. And God will watch us and He will say, I desire for you to do this. And when you do this in the earth realm, then I will move in the heavenly realm. And I will move upon your obedience and I will release power. Come on, are you with me tonight? It's faith in action. 
Here's another incredible example of prophetic action. It's with Moses holding up his rod, holding up the rod of authority at Rephidim. There was a battle that was to take place there, and they were battling, Israel was battling Amalek. This is Exodus chapter 17, if you can look at that, verses 8 through 13 tonight with me. Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 13. Now again, this is, a, this is a very vivid demonstration of a prophetic action. Moses was up on the mountain with the rod of authority lifted. And when he held it up, we know that Israel actually began to prevail. But when that he would let it begin to let it down or he would be fatigued, Amalek prevailed. Are you there? Verse 8. Okay, four of you are there. Are you there? I see it on the screen. Okay. And now Amalek, he came and he fought with Israel at Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose some men and go out and fight Amalek. And tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. And so Joshua did as Moses said to him as he fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was. When Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands, they became heavy. So they took a stone and they put it underneath him so that he could sit down. And Aaron and and her... (laughs) Hood. Aaron and her... It's my first night preaching, so sorry. (laughs) Aaron and her supported his hands one on one side, one on the other, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Watch this. So, so Joshua defeated Amalek and the people by the edge of the sword. This is a fascinating thing. Again, it's prophetic action. God has given him an instruction and said, when you do your part, hear this, when you do your part, and hold up the rod of authority that I've given you, I'm going to move by my spirit, and I'm going to release that spirit of conquering. I'm going to release victory. I'm going to release deliverance as you release the prophetic act. Now, when you think about this, I mean, the guys in the battlefield down there with Joshua, you you can't see them down in the valley. I mean, you think that they were fighting, kind of watching, you know, for, for the morale of the soldiers watching Moses? I don't think so. I don't even think that they were really aware if that the, the rod of the Lord's authority was going up or down. What they had to do was engage in the battle, and they had to fight. But there was something else going on on a higher plane. Are you hearing me tonight? you got to hear this because, listen, when we're in worship, even when we grab our flags here and worship. There's something that is breaking through in a greater dimension and a realm of the heavenlies. While we're just doing simple acts of obedience, the kingdom of God is being released. Anointing and power is being released for our city and for our region and beyond. So Moses is at the top of the mountain. And as he's releasing the rod of authority, there was something being released in the heavenlies. I love this. You can't explain it. It's something that God does. You can't explain it. It's something that God does. It's something where he interacts. 
that God loves to interact with us as sons and daughters. Where he loves to write you into the story where you begin to walk out things prophetically. When I say prophetically, if I prophesy, what am I doing? If I prophesy according to scriptures in in Corinthians, it says, I'm hearing from God and speaking to men. That's prophecy. If I hear from God and I articulate to men and women what God is saying, what am I doing? I'm prophesying, right? So God loves when we as friends love his voice. He loves when we cherish his voice and we develop friendship with him. Through friendship, God will begin to give you divine instructions, divine inspirations and promptings that I so encourage you, when he speaks to you, obey him quickly. You don't have to understand it all. But when God breathes inspiration into you and says, I desire for you to do this, say, Okay, Lord, I'll be obedient to that. Are you with me tonight? Now, here's a big point if you want to write it down. It has to be God's way, even when it doesn't make sense. Write it down. It, doesn't, it, it has to be God's way, even when it doesn't make sense. In prophetic actions, what the Lord tells you to do, you have to be able to receive it by faith, but then you have to begin to use your faith. You've got to be aggressive with your faith. You've got to be aggressive with your faith. You have to believe that God is going to work in the midst of you on what He has instructed you and told you to do. It's faith, isn't it? Here's another interesting passage, Exodus 17. This is Exodus 17, 1-5. Now, this is Moses hitting the rock. Now, This is a wild, wild verse of Scripture. He took the rod of authority, struck the rock, and out came the water. Now, why? Because that's the way God wanted it done. That's pretty deep, isn't it? Why? You know, it's amazing how many people will go so intellectual. So intellectual. Here's here's my practical advice to you. Simply do whatever God tells you to do. It's not deep. It's simple. Now watch this, Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. Then all the congregation, they came to the children of Israel, uh, excuse me, the the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin according to the commandment of the Lord and camped in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. And therefore the people contended with Moses, and they said, give us water that we may drink. Moses said to them, why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Well, why is it that you brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? This is a really encouraging congregation. (laughs) Just the gift of edification all over this congregation, right? I mean, can you imagine Moses? Holy smokes. Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand the rod with which you struck the river, remember, and go. And behold, I will stand before you there on the rock of Horeb, and you shall strike the rock 
and water will come out of it that the people may drink. Wow. I want to say it again. It has to be God's way. You see in this? It has to be God's way. Even when it doesn't make sense, it is a prophetic action. What the Lord speaks to you to do, do it with aggressive faith. Believe that he's in your midst. Believe you've heard the word of the Lord. Then act on the word of the Lord. Now, there's all kinds of elaborate symbolism. I'm not going to take time on all that tonight to break this down. Recently, I was watching one of the Chosen episodes. How many of you are enjoying the Chosen? Isn't it phenomenal? Come on, give me a shout tonight. Are you enjoying I'm absolutely loving it. And I don't want to spoil, I don't want to give any spoilers tonight, but some of you will remember one of the beginning of the episodes where Joshua comes in, and it's at the time when the serpents have broken out in the wilderness and they're biting all the people, and there's Moses inside of the tent crafting this bronze serpent to hang upon this cross pole. And Joshua is so frustrated with him. And he asked him, he says, I want you to grab hold of that, bring that here. And then he takes hold of that bronze serpent and he hangs it over it. And he says, Moses, what are you doing? I, I don't get what you're doing. It, 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 basically, it doesn't make any sense what you're doing, Moses. And, and he says, Basically, to Joshua in the episode, it doesn't have to make sense. It's about faith. All I know is that God told me to do it. That when they look upon this, they will be healed. It's a prophetic action. I think about the things that Moses had to walk out and what he had to endure, leading millions and millions of the children of Israel. Here's the big point tonight. When God chooses to do it a certain way, there has to be someone in the earth realm to participate with him in believing him. I don't remember where I first heard this, but I have endorsed it from the moment I heard it. I heard a man of God once say, perhaps it brings the greatest joy to our father when he is believed. You can write that down. I believe it brings great joy to God when we believe him. When we step out in faith and we trust him. God looks for a man. God looks for a woman when it makes no sense. But he desires to perform something. Something in the spirit that God desires to release on the earth. And when we in our actions, lose corresponding faith with what God is saying to us. When we lose something in the natural, God moves upon it and he releases anointing. He releases power. He releases authority. He will back you up. Are you with me tonight? Come on, are you with me tonight? Think about it. I mean, you don't, you don't normally get water out of rocks, right? It's almost, it's almost comical. But God says, I'm going to do it this way. It's not rock. It's science. I know. That was a dad joke. My kids are going to torment me tonight when we go home. That was so lousy, Dad. That was a horrible joke. Well, I think we all understand this. Because we ask this question, how's it going to work? How do we know this is going to work? We know it's going to work if God tells us to do it. 
We know it will produce results if God tells us to do it. I don't want to get ahead of myself tonight because I want to, I want to land in the right place because God is desiring to release things through the process of our journey and the things that we are walking out individually that only really you and Him understand because there's things going on in your story, in the terrain of your life that you really can't make other people understand and you barely understand it yourself, but you've been talking a long time to God about it, and then he begins to tell you, now I desire to do this. Now I want you to go here. Now I want you to go there. It's not just in one singular act. It's in a lifestyle of obedience. Did you hear me tonight? It's in a lifestyle of obedience. It's in a life that begins to yield a yes unto God. There is a power that is released when you say yes. There is a power released when you say a yes and when you continue to say a yes unto God. And when God gives you something strange or maybe, maybe undesirable, right, even unto yourself, find the will within yourself to humble yourself and say, God, I will do what you have asked of me. Come on, are you with me tonight? People were healed in Scripture through prophetic acts. Let me give you one. This is John chapter 9. John chapter 9, you could look at it later, verses 6 and 7, where Jesus has actually made clay out of saliva, and he rubbed it into a blind man's eyes, and he told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, what was it? It was based upon an instruction. Noticed it was a prof prophetic action. Jesus made the clay, spit in the ground. This is radical stuff. Jesus is spitting in the ground. He's, he's making spittle, as it says in the King James Version. What you doing there, Jesus? I'm just making spittle. And so he's stirring up some spittle on the ground, right? What is he doing? He is creating some eyes. I love it. The creator of all the universe is reaching down in the clay, and he's just crafting in some some pupils, and he's just crafting it all together, ready to put it in. He says, now, now that I've done that, now I just have an instruction for you. Obey this instruction. Go down to the pool of Siloam and begin to wash. But he had to obey the instruction to get the miracle. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? Elisha, this is in 2 Kings 5. You can go there tonight if you wish with me. It'll be behind me in a, mat in a second. In a millisecond, and bam, it's there. There you go. Our people are on it. Elisha, this is, this is a fascinating story. Now we're getting back to Elisha, of course. Elisha told Naaman, who was Naaman? He was a great commander of the Syrian army. But he had a major problem. He had authority. He had power. He had men under him. But he had something going on in his inner life that was tormenting him. He was a leper. He was a leper. Yet he was given an instruction to go down and dip in the Jordan River. How many of you remember this? Seven times. And he complained about it too. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get there tonight. 2 Kings chapter 5. Read it with me tonight. I'm in verse 9. And then Naaman went with his horses and his chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. Now notice we've come full circle to Elisha. You watching this? And Elisha sent 
a messenger to him saying, go wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you will be clean. But Naaman became furious and he went away and he said, indeed, I, he said to himself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord as God and he'll wave his, his hand over the place and he'll Heal my leprosy. Now, now, don't read on. Don't read on. Think about that. He had it all figured out in his natural mind. This is how it's going to happen. I'm going to go down to his tent. I'm going to go down to his house. The man of God's going to come out. He's going to wave his hand over me, and it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen that way. He had it all prefigured, and nothing happened like he thought. Did you hear it? Have you ever lived it? Have you ever lived it? Have you, have you just prefigured how everything was, I was thinking about you, son, about going to New Zealand, and, and here you were, and then everything was changed. You were about to head to Papua New Guinea and, and East Timor and, and, and head out from the school, but God had to redirect you. Sometimes we're, when we're obeying God, you have to move and be able to shift and being redirected from God. So watch this. Elisha doesn't even come out. Man, Naaman's ticked, right? Ha <laughs> ha! I love when the Bible's just so real. And then he, he goes on, he says, Well, are not the, the rivers of Bananon and, and, and uh, Parfer, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not have washed in them and be cleaned? And so he went away in a rage. Ha <laughs> ha! God's working. And he sent a servant, and he came near, and he spoke to him. And he said, My father, if the prophet told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more than when he says, Go and wash and be clean? And so he went down, and he dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Oh, that's go ahead. Praise God. Isn't that powerful? It's a prophetic action. Why? Why? Because God chose to do it that way. And when God chooses the way, just simply be obedient to say, God, I will trust you. I will do as you say. Now, here's something to write down. If God chooses a certain method, no other means will work. If God chooses a method, then no other means will work. And now we come full circle to our story, and I've preached up our way to the text. And I'm back in 2 Kings 13, and I hope you're still there. The prophet is now about to die, and Joash has come. He's needing instruction. And strange enough, he says, grab the bow and arrow. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to open up that window. I want you to shoot now. And when you shoot, I'm going to let you know what is actually going on. There's something more going on in the realm of the natural than you think. I'm going to declare over it. It becomes the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. It becomes the arrow of the Lord's victory. When you act in faith, when you do what he says, now God's going to release his anointing. He's going to do this on your behalf. 
But then he goes a step farther. Take the arrows. Bundle them together. Strike the ground. He struck them three times. Elisha gets ticked. Why didn't you strike the ground five or six times? Now, the king was about to be tested, unfortunately. Are you guys still with me tonight? Some can think when God speaks. I love that you led us, Cody, into that word of God speak. I haven't heard that song in years. And the moment you began, I was like, oh, gosh, wow, wow. Some will hear instructions and think, man, that is stupid. Some will hear instructions and think, man, that's, that's shallow. You know, we could actually miss the spirit of God because of pride. I'm going to say that again. We could actually miss the spirit of God because of pride. We could actually miss the voice of God by not humbling ourselves. If Naaman wouldn't have humbled himself and went down into those Jordan, that, those Jordan rivers, he would have never been healed. He would have went back to Syria full of leprosy. He had to come underneath and yield himself to the word of the Lord. He had to yield himself and come under the instruction that the man of God told him to do. And sometimes we could possibly miss what God, oh, it's a warning, because of our own pride or thinking that we know better. You might want to write this down. If God gives you instructions, don't try to talk God out of those instructions. We could be thinking too much in the natural realm. And I think sometimes we get stuck in the natural realm of virtual reality. See, there's times when my wife will be up in front of me and she'll take a flag. What you don't know is I remember when these flags were created. They were created in an extraordinary revival in 1998 in Springfield, Illinois. And my wife began to make these flags, and these, were, these flags were used in a revival time that impacted tens of thousands of lives, where people were coming from an eight-state radius to Springfield, Illinois, and being empowered by the glory. When my wife takes these out, and there, there's times when she's up here, or I'll, I'll take hold of one of them. I'll tell you, I had a revelation years ago, years ago. There is something about when we make ourselves childlike before our king that makes all hell tremble. I've had people come to me in the past and say, what are you, what are you doing waving the flag? <laughs> what are you, you're the pastor, not a flag man. Let me tell you, there's something being released in this. There's power. There's power when we release our worship and our praise before God. What's that guy over there doing blowing a shofar? I'll tell you what he's doing. He's being a man of faith and decreeing that God's power is being released. That his glory is being released on our region and changing our city. There's something powerful when we humble ourselves and just move in to a realm of faith and believe God. Are you with me tonight? King Joash 
unfortunately, he didn't understand what the prophet was up to. And when you look at this story, I want you to look at these words again. Put your hand on the bow. I'm in verse 16. He put his hands on it. And Elisha put his hands on it upon the king's hands. I've, I've done this before. Josiah, would you come to me, please, quickly? Quickly. I want you to get the picture. I want you to stand with me, Josiah, and just look out and take the bow in your hand. Turn powerfully in a powerful stance. There you go. There you go. We really practiced this at home, didn't we? So he's got the bow in his hands. Now I want you to pull it back strong, and I want you to look out through that window right now. I want you to peer out. Yeah, peer out through that window. But I want you to see this in the words. What happens is the king is standing there, and the prophet steps up behind the king. I love the picture. He puts his hands on his hands. You see that? I want you to get this picture in your mind. Do you see the intimacy? Do you see that? Do you see the touch degree? Do you see it? Do you see it? He wanted him to see the same thing. I want you to see the same thing. I'm giving you an invitation into the prophetic realm. And Joash, I want you to see what I'm seeing. I want you to perceive what I'm perceiving. I want you to feel what I'm feeling. I want you to move the way I move. Elisha knew he was about ready to cross the, cross the threshold into eternity. And now what he would do would release, hear me, a generational blessing. And that's why the prophet became so intense. Because he desired not only for his day to receive victory and deliverance, he was seeing a future day. And he was speaking over a generation and said, if you would have just taken the arrows and struck again and again and again and again and again. Why? For future generations. Because what we are doing right now is just not about us. What we are doing right now in this room is not just about us. We are preparing the way of the Lord for a future day of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a revival and an awakening to shake the state. So when we get up here, and we do the song again, and we do the song again, and we do the chorus again, and the chorus again, and the praises go up, and the glory comes down. What are we doing? It's just not about this night. It's not just about this moment or this night. It's about what God wants to break through by our simple faith, our childlike faith, and coming aggressive, though, too, to say, God, here it is. Here it is. Elisha wanted total victory. And sometimes we stop so short at false finish lines. 
And at false finish lines, we think we've accomplished so much. And all the while, God was saying, no, I had so much more for you to run. So much more for you to do. And this is where it requires obedience. And this is where it requires being in for the long haul. You've heard it before. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. We're moving into a future. And it's a future that God has invited us into. And he wants to come alongside us and touch us and touch our hands and put his head upon our head and say, I want you to see now what I'm seeing. I want you to see what I'm seeing. I want you to operate in the prophetic realm. I want you to be a seer. I want you to have my eyes. I want you to carry what I'm carrying for your generation. Are you hearing the word of the Lord tonight? God desires prophetic action. He desires faith from us. Sometimes when we're being obedient to God, you're going to feel foolish. The times where I have stood, sometimes in Washington, D.C., in the middle of the night at 2, 3, 4 in the morning, on the steps of the Supreme Court, when it has only been me and five other police officers standing on the steps watching me. And I have prayed over that gate, that gateway to be cleansed by the fire of the Lord. And instead of being a gateway of absolute gates of hell and the perversion and the evil that has been unleashed through that gateway, I have, been, I have stood there and decreed over it again and again and strike the arrow again and again and again and again. You will be cleansed. You will come into alignment with heaven. You will obey the word of the Lord. You will no longer mock God. You will no longer curse God. There are times when I move into my natural mind and think, what in the world am I doing? And I have to snap myself back into alignment and recognize I am participating with God. I am moving with him. He has invited me into a realm of the prophetic to stand before him and call earth into accountability. To speak and say what he has already proclaimed in the heavenly realms. What he desires on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> Hear this tonight. Hear the word of the Lord tonight. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Even when it doesn't make sense, do it. Please, I implore you, do it. Say what God tells you to say. Sandra, you may feel foolish. At times you're in worship and you're in a song and you feel like the Lord's just saying, oh, that, that just sounds so simple. That It doesn't have to be complex. It doesn't, it doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't have to have all the, the peaks and the valleys and the, and the terrain. It just has to be the word of the Lord. And if you'll speak it, the breath of God will come in on it. 
power will be released because of your obedience. Bren was speaking this week. I was so proud of my wife as she took the microphone and stood in the high school there at the, the town hall meeting. Leah spoke as well, and others in our, in our part of Sue Ann's back there with Tony. There were others from our, our congregation, but Bren was sitting there speaking, or standing speaking. I was sitting and speaking as she was speaking, <laughs> and I was interceding. But as we got done, we were approached by a woman immediately, and I was starting to listen to her rebuttal that she was aiming at my wife. And boy, she was coming full force. And, and I was like, okay. So I just stood and prayed underneath my mask. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh. Okay, stay in the spirit, Brian. Stay in the spirit. So I'm praying. But when Bren was completed with this woman... And their conversation. I was praying for this woman. I was praying for her. I was speaking over her life. She didn't know what I was doing. And Bryn was being kind. But she was being pretty forthright. And then I just spoke and I said, ultimately, I just want to share something with you here. We're here to point people to Jesus. Boy, her eyes. I said, understand, we're not here to argue. We're not here to, we're here to point people to Jesus. That's what we're doing. It doesn't have to be complex. Sometimes you just got to get right to it. You got to get right to it. When God tells you to do something, just do it. Come on, that's a good word. Just do it. Come on. Sometimes you can talk yourself out. Of what God's telling you to do. Have you ever done it? All right, we got four honest people in the church. How many of you have ever talked yourself out of what? Okay, there you are. There's the rest of Yeah, okay, there we are. As I was putting this message together, I was thinking about this. It just suddenly a memory came to my mind years ago where the Lord wanted me to bless this wealthy family. I went to my wife. I said, I want to bless this family. Everybody knew they were wealthy. Everybody, this family paid for everybody's meals. They paid for, you know, everybody knew they were wealthy, but the Lord had put in my heart, stirred up in my heart, I want you to bless them. I want you to bless them. And I, I, I tried to talk myself, well, Lord, I mean, Lord, that's just, no, bless them. And we wrote a check to them, and we blessed them. I'm going to tell you, the extraordinary impact of that gift into their life because there weren't many people doing it. They were so touched, so moved. It can be something so simple. You heard me say earlier, simple acts of obedience is what releases the kingdom. Don't try to talk God out of it when he tells you. When he puts it in your heart, obey and release a prophetic unction. Now, I'm coming to the close of this. When you think about prophetic declarations, what comes to your mind? I'm going to take a drink here. Talk amongst yourself. This is a commercial break. I didn't say cuddle. You guys are cuddling. Man, I'm jealous. Cuddling. 
What comes to your mind when, you, when I say prophetic declarations? I'm going to give you this. I don't think I gave the crew this with scriptures, but put it in your notes tonight if you would. Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. Jeremiah prophesied, and he also prophesied in Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 29. And it goes basically something like this. It says, therefore, hear all you nations, hear all the earth. He does it again in, in chapter 22. Oh, earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. <laughs> this is mighty, a prophetic declaration. Oh, earth, hear the word of the Lord. And, and I began to think about this, honey. Could you imagine you and me stepping out on our porch in front of all of our neighbors and are out there walking the dog? And my wife and I just step out on the porch and, oh, neighborhood, oh, Sarasota, Oh, Florida, oh, earth nations, hear me, hear me. I prophesy to you. I'm telling you, our neighbors would think we were a bunch of fools. They'd think we're a bunch of radicals. Maybe they already do. I don't know. I don't know. But what am I getting at? In the natural realm, that really doesn't make sense. Like, wow, you're going all out. All the earth hear you? Like, <laughs> hear you roar? All the earth, all the nations? Really? Here's my point. Here's the big point. We have to understand that it's about, it's not about our words and what we normally do, but it's about speaking what God is saying to speak because when we say what God tells us to speak, it's going to release, release power and it's going to cause something to be accomplished. And this is exactly, that sounds so simple, but it's so powerful. This is exactly what happens when I'm preaching. This is Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It says, in Romans 1, 16, it says that the word of God is the power of God unto salvation. Listen, the word of God is the power of God unto salvation. So when I'm preaching and I'm saying the word of God, actually, I'm not just up here moving in the natural I am actually moving in a power that is being released. Why? Because the word of God is the power of God unto salvation. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let this stretch you, and you want to write this down. This didn't come from Brian. This came from Reinhard Bonnke. He said, God's words placed in your mouth. God's, place, God's words placed in your mouth is just as powerful as God decreeing it from his mouth. Take hold of that. How in the world can you really believe that? By faith. God's word, God decreeing and speaking a word out of your mouth is just as powerful as it coming directly from his mouth. You are his mouthpiece in the earth. Did you hear that? You are his mouthpiece. You are his voice. You are his voice in the earth. Again, God is seeking out men and women who will cooperate and participate with him in the prophetic and begin to say what he is saying and decreeing. I'm going to go back to this silly example of you and I stepping out, but it's true. In the middle of the night, I will speak to cities. 
in the middle of the night when I'm praying, I will speak over Portland. I will speak to Washington, D.C. I will speak to Chicago. I will speak to this anarchy. I will decree it out of my mouth. I will speak to Sarasota. I will speak to them to heed the word of the Lord. I will speak to them to come into alignment and yield to the peace of God. I will lose comfort. I will lose peace. I will release angel armies on a city. This is what we're called to do. God has to find men and women who will participate with him and say what he desires to be said. And if we say it, he'll back it up. He'll back it up. Come on, he'll back it up. I'm coming to a close. Here it is again, Micah chapter 1, verse 2. Sorry, guys, I don't think I gave you the scripture. Micah chapter 1, verse 2. He, he, here's another radical, radical prophet like Jeremiah. He says, hear all you peoples. Listen, O earth, and all that is in it. <laughs> Gosh, wrap your head around that. I mean, when, when these guys prophesied, I mean, you know, they were swinging for the fences. They were going to knock the ball out of the park. They weren't praying small, right? They weren't even thinking small. He says, here, all you people, listen, O earth, and all that is in it. Let the Lord God be a witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. This is so awesome. See, Jesus spoke to a storm. Did he not? You all still with me? You got two more minutes in you? Come on. You got, come on. Are you with me? Jesus spoke to a storm. He commanded it to be still. He spoke to a fig tree, and he commanded it to wither and die. Whether anything else hears us in the natural, there's something happening in the spirit realm. For those of us, how am I going to say this, Lord? Before you go out and you do something publicly in the prophetic, make sure you've heard it in private. And you prayed it over in private. You don't just want to, you don't, you don't want to be impulsive. You don't want to be impulsive and just jump out like you're just going to do this. No, make sure you hear it in private with the Lord, before the Lord. Now, there are going to be moments and moments and currents and winds of God where God moves in and things are released prophetically and it could come quick. But I'm telling you, be careful. Okay, make sure you're hearing from the Lord in private so then you can move publicly and decree what he's saying. I hope that helps you tonight. There is a private and public connection that I'm trying to draw for. And then obey the instruction of God. Now, don't come to me. <laughs> don't come to me and say that the Lord has told you to run through Sarasota naked like Isaiah. Pastor, the Lord, the Lord told me to do that. No, 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 he didn't. Use wisdom. Use wisdom. I'm going to end it with this. You can put your Bibles aside. It's very simple. Say what God tells you to say and do what he tells you to do, and you're going to see results. And sometimes the results don't come instant. It comes by a lifestyle of yielded obedience to God that keeps saying yes to God. Yes to God. Yes, I will do that. Yes, I will do that. Simple obedience. 
acts of obedience release the kingdom. I want to pray for you tonight. Cody, would you just join me, buddy? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I love how your presence settled really thick into this place upon us tonight. I love it. All of us love it. And we cherish your presence. I thank you, Lord, even for those that are online. Lord, I, I wish they could be in this room right now. But I pray that your anointing is thick upon them wherever they are right now. Right now. Lord, let your word drop in upon us tonight. Bring instruction and, and bring revelation and bring confirmation to many tonight. Even throughout the rest of this night, Lord, when the air conditioners go off and the lights go off and no one else is here on this campus and we go home and we're still and we're in the quiet of our home. Lord, would you confirm, would you speak to us? May your voice be burning within us. And may we receive instruction, Lord, even in our night season, even sleeping. Lord, that you would speak to us in dreams, in visions. That you would continue, Lord, to woo us and stir upon us, Lord, your desires. And that we would be the people who would obey you with childlike faith and aggressive faith. Lord, we say yes to you. We say yes to you. Hallelujah. <laughs> Come here, Pastor Walter. <laughs> now, He did not know what I was going to speak. I did not know what he was bringing tonight. And before service, would you just step closer here, Pastor? Before service, right before service, I was just down on my knee and he was sitting there on his chair and we were talking and he said, I, I brought a gift for you and he pulled out arrows. And I was, I was just stunned. And I said, you won't believe what I'm preaching tonight. And I'm still stunned. So I'm, I want to release it to you. And I want you to release what you feel the Lord has told you to give to us and to me tonight. <clears throat> Last night, as I was um, getting ready to go to bed Holy Spirit took me to Mark chapter 2 and then when we were coming here Holy Spirit reminded me of it and it's about when it says Jesus when he entered Capernaum after some days it says and it was heard that he was in the house Capernaum means village of consolation protected by being sorry 
village of Nahum, which means comforter. And what God wanted me to share with you very quickly is this message that I'm about to share with you is very short. It's the comforter is in the house. The comforter is in the house. It was heard that he was in the house. They heard the comforter was in the house. And it says immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them. And I want to let you know that when you guys were praying uh, over here, I seen um, Jerusalem fall down. A new Jerusalem fall down. A new church fall down. And I want to tell you, this is what I was seeing in the, in the prophetic. And it says that not even near the door was there any room to come in. Get ready because more people are coming. Get ready because more people are coming. And it says, and he preached the word to them. The word preached the word. And I want to tell you what we're hearing tonight is the word is preaching the word. And it says, then he came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And I was telling Leah and the group we were eating with, I said, God keeps giving me number four, number four. What you're going to start seeing is the number four. Four means recreate. And as four means recreate, understand this is there were four men that carry him in his creative works. And I want to tell you, understand and realize there are three of us that are from the Brighton Reservation and he makes number four. I'm going to ask Melinda. Melinda and Rita, if you would come up here, please. We're of the First Nations people. And it goes to say, and when they could not come near him because of the crowd, it says they uncovered the roof where he was. We need some friends that understand and realize that when others can't reach Jesus, we're going to make a way. And I want to tell you, understand and realize you guys have been believing for more. And what God told me when I was in Minnesota last year is that a prophet up there, a pastor, he said, I got a word for you. He says, that word is according to Isaiah 49.2. Understand and realize God told me to tell you, you are the, the arrow that has been in his quiver, that has been hidden, that has been kept secret, that has been taken out. And you're the one that is going to ignite Florida. You're the one that's going to lead the First Nations people, you're the one that's going to bring this great movement. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you, I, I took that word, I accepted it when I came back, we started moving in that, we've been moving ever since, and wherever God says to go, go, I go, and I want to tell you, this is how I live, I want to tell you, I'm dumb enough to believe God. I'm dumb enough to believe God. When he says go, I go. And I don't care what he says, I do it. And some people may say, why does God move in you so mightily? It's not because of who I am. It's because I'm dumb enough to believe him. We need some people that are dumb enough to believe God. And that's why we're here. It's because we were dumb enough to come here and give you this word. 
And notice it says four men carried them. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, it says they uncovered the roof. I want to tell you what we are doing is we are uncovering the roof. And may the glory of the Lord come in like never before. We're uncovering the roof. No more roof. No more religion. All relationship. All Holy Ghost. Uncovering the roof. Uncovering the roof. Where he was, so when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Know this, creative faith creates openings. Creative faith creates openings. Therefore, when you cannot go through a door and also cannot go through a window, creative faith creates an opening. Creative faith creates, it never settles, it breaks through. Thereby creating an opening entranceway for others that cannot reach Jesus on their own. There are some people that need help. And I want to tell you, understand and realize we are connecting with you. We as First Nations people, we are the ones that we know how to work the land. We know how to speak, and that's what we're in. The next glory wave is in the First Nations people. And I want to tell you what God wants to do here. We are connecting with you, and we want to say we are backing you up. And whatever God wants to do, let him do it. Here's the final thing. When Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Let me tell you something. In the spirit realm, faith can be seen. Faith can be seen. Faith isn't something you have, but faith is something you exercise. It's something you activate. And I want to let you know that it's Faith is a fingerprint to heaven. It's God's fingerprint. Come on. It's, it's, it's that God is seeing himself in us when we move in faith. Come on, church. He was speaking on, the, uh, on Elisha, right? When I was in Oklahoma, here's the last thing I'm going to share with you is that he wanted to have me to teach up there about the Elisha's mantle. And I want to tell you, I've reached out and said, Melinda, look at all he's reading. It's right there. Everything he was reading was right there. You can't make this up. And I want to tell you, when you are connected with God, everything works together. What I was seeing also in there was that I seen a vertebrae. Things started lining up. You are causing things to line up. I wanted to give that word, but I couldn't. I had to come back. Yes. Yes. And here's what I want you to understand and realize. When he was wanting to share with the Elisha mantle, Elijah, he had power. He had authority. He had an anointing, right? And Elisha said, I want a double portion of that. He simply asked, but in how he got it was, and understand and realize when Elijah came to him, Elijah said, leave all that you have and follow me. Come on. So he done exactly that. 
And that's why he came into that anointing. And here's what God told me was this. He said, nobody asked for Elisha's anointing. That's why he was buried with it. Come on. And I said, God, I said, how do we come into that? And, and he says, this, this is going to blow people's mind, and a lot of people may not believe it. But every one of you, please hear the word of the Lord. He said, and how you come into the Elisha's anointing is that it's in the ground. All you do is step into it. How do we know that it's in the ground? How do we know that it's in the ground? You remember that man? He stepped in, should not say carried in, and he came resurrected. Come on. The anointing was in the ground. And here is what God wanted me to declare and decree. It's right here. If you would come up, if you will believe in faith, you're going to step into Elisha's mantle right here. Right here. But before that is opened, I got to join hands with my brother and we're going to strike the ground. And what we're going to do is we're going to strike the ground and we're going to say, Elisha's mantle is here. We're going to do it eight times. Eight means new beginning. And here is what I want you to understand and realize. The simple fact of what Elisha's anointing is, it's a double portion of Elijah, right? But the anointing of Elisha is this, is that I will obey when you speak a word. We need some men and women that do not question God, but just like we heard with the pastor, that when God says something, we will simply obey and we will go get it done. God is looking for a church that will move when he says move. He is looking for a church that when he says, say something, you say it without question. Can I tell you something? We're in that time now. And here's what God wanted me to share, and this is the last thing. We're in the now. We're not in, it's coming. We're in the what? Now. We're in the what? Now. So understand, I'm going to have pastor here. We're going to strike the ground eight times. And when we strike it eight times, the mantle of Elisha is right here. But here is the simple request that God is asking. Take off your shoes. What did he ask Moses? Take off your shoes. Why? He says, because I want, to, I want you to come out of the old and come into the new. Come in the now. You want to come in to see an Elisha. You want to see. You want to see the mantle of Elisha experienced in this church on another level you never experienced before. The prophetic is going to pick up. The apostolic, I want to tell you. It's going to be off the charts. And what we need to understand and realize, God has been waiting for such a time as this. He could have started anywhere else, but why here? I'll tell you why. 
God said your name now from this on, this time on when I give you this arrow. He said, your, your name, you are now dubbed. You are now dubbed the wow warrior. The wow warrior. I was sitting there that whole time, and I was asking God. I said, God, what, what do you want to give him? What do you, he said, the wow warrior. Because as you lead, there's not going to be nothing but wow. <laughs> nothing but wow. So if you will, come on up. The yellow on here is uh, the light, the light of Christ. The red is the, by his stripes. And you can see there's three feathers on here. That is the Trinity. And on his, it's yellow. So he is the light. And there are black stripes on there. So the light is going to break through the darkness. So this is what this all is. I'm going to ask your wife to join, please. times one two three four five six seven eight father god hallelujah 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 Hallelujah. 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 If everybody would repeat after me. Abba. Father God. Today, the mantle of Elisha has fallen right here in which we stand. And Father, today we will walk and carry that mantle forevermore. Lord, we thank you. We believe you. We will not question you. We will be dumb enough to believe you. And Father, we thank you for the pastor here is now the wild warrior. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.
my brother, Jonas, this is now yours. And you are the arrow that has been taken out of the sheath, out of the quiver of God. You have been unsheathed, and now you are walking as an arrow. You have been shot at the window. You're the arrow deliverance. George, can you open my Bible to Isaiah chapter 49, verse 2, and just bring that here? You can't make this stuff up. Only God can do this. Only God can do this. He had no idea what I was going to minister on. Isaiah 49, verse 2 is a word. It's a prophetic word, actually, that's been released over my life privately many, many times, and sometimes publicly over my life many times. Isaiah 49, verse 2. Can you hold that, honey? Thank you. Here's what it says. It says, He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of His hand, He has hidden me. He has made me a polished shaft. In his quiver, he has hidden me. Hallelujah. Praise our God. Praise our God. Would you lift your hands all over, all over tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we believe you are making us a company, a company, a tribe. Say it, a tribe a family, a company of Elisha's, the double portion anointing. Come on, say it. The double portion anointing is ours, and we receive it by faith in the name of Jesus. Shout amen tonight. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is important. This is an important moment. This is an important moment. Amen. I love you all. You guys are so mighty. My wife and I love you. Pastor, Melinda, your name again. I'm sorry. Rita, Rita, we're so blessed you're here. We're honored you're here. Make them feel family tonight as we dismiss. I want you to love on them. Get their email, get their phone number, their blood type, their shoe size, their, their boot, boot size. Get everything that you need from them tonight. Let's connect and be family. I, I am just in awe. And I'll tell you, it's, the moment I saw what Governor DeSantis did with the Seminole tribe, the compact that he made, really, which was a compact covenant, which he made for the Seminole tribe, to release prosperity over our state. I said, man, a new day has begun. I immediately wrote, I immediately wrote Leah and, and Susan, where there she is. I immediately wrote them and said, look at this. Look what God, the timing of this is just amazing, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's amazing. 
You can't make it up. It's God. Listen, love you guys. I just bless you. I bless you. I love you. Good night, everybody. Love on each other. Love on our, our family here. Good night to all of you, all of you online. Good night to all of you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com or download the Victory FLA app.